Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharger. I am Ronnie And I'm Ralph Enough. And as you just heard, we have the illustrious Ronnie Renton joining us to chat about many things. We have a lot of things to tackle. And I'm going to start off with an interesting topic that no one's asked you about, Ronnie. Okay. Let's talk about Andre Kieran. No. <laughs> when I saw the press release, I'm like, okay, I mean, I live here in Memphis. He used to be here in GW, became a big wig with Asmo Day. It seems like an awesome move. It's only been a few months, but I mean, are you seeing any benefits from that? Well, if, if, if you think of the two previous uh, companies you spoke about, if, we, if we're the third on that list and Andre does for us what he did for them, I'm going to be very happy. We have some very, very exciting non-Kings of War uh, announcements coming out. Uh, even I am not allowed to leak about these because there's companies far, 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 many billions of times bigger than us. <laughs> we have some very, very cool news coming. I think they'll be hitting sometime after Friday. We've got some good fun. You know, we've we've dabbled with licenses. The whole pandemic kind of brought it all to a shuddering halt. You couldn't do the meetings. You couldn't have the, the, the chats. That's now kicked back in again. They're great fun. They're great diversions. Um, and Andre's joined us to help make those things happen. You know, he's, he's also going to help us with Kicks of War and, and Terrain Crate and our firefight and our core business. Yes, uh, but he's also uh, you know, very well connected to Black Book to help unlock the opportunities that are coming because they are, are big and that gives us money to go spend back on Kings of War and, and keep building the, the, the core hobby. I'll put a link to the press release in the show notes, but, you know, Andre Kieran's got a long tracker with sales, distribution, management of GW, Asmodee, Fancy Flight, a lot of companies. And we need to sort of distribution out. You know, retailers just can't get our products at the moment. So people come in and say, I want to get it. When are we going to get a warehouse in the U.S., right? Like that's warehouse in the U.S., right? Like yeah, that's, yeah. Well, you know, we're still, we're still, we don't have the Night Stalker releases yet, right? So it's like yeah. international shipping is a problem. It is. And it's, and it's interesting. It's a, it's a more of a problem post-pandemic than it was before. Here's the problem. Something that would cost me... 50 bucks to ship now cost me 120 bucks. It's, it's horrific. So I think it's sales first, warehouse second. And actually the way we try and deal with it is we do have good distributing partners, but we're not working well with those partners. We don't have pre-order systems set up for them properly to allow them to buy the stock in that they need. We need to get our noise and shouting louder. Um, you know, I think it was probably Armada was a great release. That was two years ago, you know. Um, we're already soliciting Umbrella Academy that's going to be hitting retail stores in September, and we haven't told anyone about Northern Alliance, which is coming out in July. So, you know, we've got to help our business partners be better, get stuff over to them earlier, and um, probably not next year, but maybe the year after. Well, 2023 seems like a pivotal year, not just for you guys, but for the industry in general. I mean, you've got a lot of competitive big releases. Shatterpoint drops next month. Yep. Obviously, 10th edition 40K comes out. Yeah. This is make a break time. It is. And I think, you know, I think we've got I think we've got the Shatterpoint of next year. I think when you when we're talking in three months' time or four months' time about what we've got, I think we've got the equivalent of that. I think it's just as big. Uh, I think the gameplay would be much better because I've seen Shadowpoint is bobbins compared to what you know to our war games. But um, you know we can argue about that over a beer. But um, I think we've got one of those big skirmish games coming out next year. 
And, you know, what we want to see is, you know, we know all the world's coming and I think it's going to be the biggest opportunity for us to recruit more Kings of War players than we've ever had. We've got some fantastic plans. We want to get everybody involved. Bring over your Warhammer army. That's the message. That's kind of like thinking behind Big Red Book. You know, where do I get on? Right here. Everything's in one place. Let's embrace it. Let's enjoy it. And let's let's get out there and say the hobby has never been bigger and never been better. And we're only part of that. Big part of that. We've noticed a lot more presence on the on the Facebook groups of late. You've been chiming in a lot more. Is is, <laughs> is football season winding down? Is that why you just have so much time on your hands? It's just too easy. It's just you know we're going to win everything. It's that easy. You know, yeah, two more games. Uh, you know, partly, I mean, when we lost Rob and um, Nick and a few other things, there was there was I think two things going on. My time is spent fighting fires and recruiting. You know, and it's only now that we've got. You know, Paul in place, who's our crowdfund manager. Uh, so he's full-time. We've got Dan, who's working with Johnny on the kind of uh, you know, newsletters and updates and uh, all the website and web store type of things. Uh, we've we've launched all the projects we've been working on. I, you know, that was behind the scenes, but I was working with uh, you know, Elliot on Companion and then STLs with, with Elliot and Clive. We've got the release schedule. You know, we've planned out all of this year, all of next. I've just secured three big licenses, so they're about to drop. So, so I've just been busy, <laughs> and uh, and it's quite nice for the first time I think post dungeon saga, where we're actually slightly getting ahead. Which I'm slightly we've got some time at home, and you know for the first time I was just showing you before the show I've actually done some hobby, which has just been uh, it was probably this time last year I think before the last time I touched a paintbrush. Dungeon saga still on track for release at the end of the year. Sure is in tooling prints gone. Uh, order's gone. And we, we had a quick pledge manager. We, we slightly over-ordered some retailers and picked up some. So there will be some, you know, at a higher price further down the line than the Kickstarter. But uh, very exciting. And I think a kind of insight in some of the projects that I want to see us doing going forward. You know, some of the, um, you know, I'm, I'm getting old these days and there's there's things that I wanted to have done with my kids and I didn't do. And actually, I don't want people to be, um, to be in the same boat I am. So, We've got some second second generation gamers coming through and spending hobby time with your family is, is good fun. Well, let's jump in and talk about Mantic Vault because it's been a huge hit. But from your end, you know, how has the reception been for the Mantic Vault so far? I mean, I, I think it, it's wonderful. We've been working on it for, let's say, seven months. You know, even when we started with Bumble, we're now longer than that. Even when we were talking about the companion, it was always going to go here. This was always the second phase of it. And I think the, the things that's charming is... You're playing the official game. I know there's a lot of games out there that are making models for 3D printing, not for the game. They're not the game owners. They're making models for another game, a grimmer and darker game. That's fine. That's what they're doing. But I think the trauma is if you print these boats off and you know go and get a tournament pack or have a companion for Armada, you're playing Armada. You are playing the game that we wanted to play. It's official. It's global. We're looking to recruit more people into it. We love this game. There's more people playing it. So on the first hand, I think it's wonderful that we as a, as a, a company are able to promote this activity and endorse it as a thoroughly good thing. You know, as opposed to being something that's slightly illicit and slightly dodgy. No, this is part of our business. We've also honoured our retail partners. They've had two years with this product. They've had a very successful launch with it. They've done it very well. They've taken it so far. How do we keep sustaining it? Well, in all honesty, I can't tell a retailer in Arkansas to stock Armada right now 
I would tell them to stop Terrain Crate for their D&D customers, or I would tell them to stop Northern Alliance and Kings of War, because it's many times more popular and more people are looking to get into it. So if I'm only going to have, you know, three foot of space, I need to put the best thing in it for them. So I think there's that. On the on the other side, we were hard to make sure we were giving away something that was really cool. I didn't want it to be a dump bin for leftover, out-of-date, out-of-print miniatures that have no value to anybody, and then you're squeezing some money. I mean, this I'm on. Here you go. You know, if you don't want to wait, just go buy them in resin. <laughs> if you want to print 57,000 ships, you want to blow them 28 mil, you know, here we are. Those are out there. They're in the wild now. And Rift Forge or unit put up in the subscription is, is knockout stuff. It's stuff that's expensive for people to buy. It's stuff that's expensive for us to make. You know, these are these are hard, big resin models that are difficult. Then we've got to put them in a box, ship them around the world. That's not the most environmentally friendly thing to do. So I, I tried to create things that was a win for the gamer. No damage to the retailer at all. And with next month, we've got a retailer uh, subscription offer so they can print in store and sell. So they're going to be able to get into involved in as well so they can suddenly come out. And a win for Mantic. Win for Mantic, more people playing. Win for Mantic, not having to produce things that are uneconomic or selling something that, you know, should retail for 80 quid. But we sell it at 50 because that's the highest price we can charge for it. So we're yeah. super excited. I think people have seen our enthusiasm and... Uh, or honest approach to it. I hope that's coming through and, and the subscriber numbers are ahead of anything we could possibly do. That's fantastic. You know, it's interesting. You're kind of first over the wall. You know, there are other companies that make models that have STL files, but not of your size, typically. And not, not with the games. Exactly. You know, they're making miniatures for other people's games. And then, then so, you know, it feels slightly disingenuous to me. And then there's people are doing it as a Patreon. And I get it. I get why they're doing it. And, you know, they're catering to demand. But, you know, we've got we've got the wages of 30 people to pay. You know, we've got, we know, if we want to be as big as we are, we have to make sure that that gets covered. So we've got to make sure it's it's something people are willing and exciting to, to participate in. But he's also not going to kill the company, not going to put us on our back. We don't want to put everything out there. And then we can't release anything in the Kings of War, you know, or, or Armada, it's it becomes horrible. So we're trying to really create a, a viable, long-term, official and official endorsement. We're, we're hoping it's going to make us bigger. Absolutely, categorically, um, people think we're bigger than we are, uh, but we want to be. You know, we want to be. Um, so we don't need Andre Kieran to get us there. We, we're doing it through STLs. You guys are the first over the wall. Change is hard. I'm sure. Has there been any pushback from the gaming stores? Like, oh, you're killing our business. No, I don't think so because I think they they interestingly. Game store owners are smart. And, you know, they have a responsibility to stop what's hot. They have a limited amount of space. And I think us working closely with our AGD and our ads and the other US distribution partners, Golden and what have you, Madel, to get the core plastics on the shelves in their warehouse ahead of time so that they can pick up the enthusiasm for the new Night Stalkers. You know, you all have them by now. They all be there. You know, they've been out two weeks ago. They were, you know, the in-store date was certainly no later than last weekend. And people are sat there going, I want to have these. So let's get that sorted out because that's the real volume in plastics through retail stores. Let's get DSO out. You know, let's get those big selling items that we can bring in, turn over two player sets, army deals, ambush sets, and, and worry about the hard to get, you know, one required for the army models that so they can go away and print 
And if you want them, no problem. We've got the resin mold. Order it in. It'll be here in two weeks. If you need that specific kit, you don't have a 3D printer, there's nothing that we can't supply in resin right now. Now, in time, there will be. And there's some things that make resin more suitable. And here, but there's some cool things coming. And yeah, you might yeah. want 10 of them. You know, you might want to squat and live. So perfect for 3D printing. I need 10 of those. I need a swarm of those. I need a... Uh, I want to dot them around. I don't want to buy them. I just want to add them for character, for color. So here we are. And um, and, and that's where we, we're able to, to to play to the strengths of the medium. And and I think in many ways it frees us up to concentrate on what's important for the retailers. And if they're a 3D printed retailer, here's your subscription for you guys. Here you, you did announce last week you got a commercial license coming for those. I think that's a great perk for brick and mortar stores that are – my store locally has tons of printers. And yeah. that's the first thing you said was, great, I love Mantic Vault. When can I get a commercial license, right? Like, because I, I – I don't want to have to deal with the person brings the file in. Do they legally own it? Yeah. Nope. I have it. I have a license. I'll print it for you. Well, done. And you just got to trust in the, you know, in the process. And I think we, we do. We wanted to get the first one out of the way. If any pushback, fix that. Quite the reverse. People loved it. It's gone bananas. It's gone brilliant. Uh, then we want to follow up on that. Say, right, great. Well, we're clear. Let's get on with the retailers. And let, let's, you know, and we, we also heard loud and clear, you know, um, we're only pre-supported. So, Right. The pushback when I'd ask people what it supported, yeah, but they're on a 2K, a 4K, an 8K. You only need one thing to be wrong and then it misprints and it's your fault. So, you know, we kind of said, look, let's, let's just give them the files, see what's the, the consensus. And then that one came back. What about preschool? Okay, we'll do them. But, you know, health warning with it. Yeah. Just here's where it is. You, sometimes your printer just has a little quirk. So if you want it guaranteed, take it unsupported, build it yourself. But if you know what you're doing or you just take that, da, 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 yeah, there, okay, great, off you go. It's fine the way you're rolling it out because ultimately that's the way just about everybody else does it too. They give it to you unsupported or if they have pre-supports, you know that you may have to tweak something or add another support because of the, the quirks of your printer. Yeah, if we'd given it you supported and then you printed it and everybody printed it and everyone got a fault with it, you'll be like, oh, this hasn't been done. So it's, it's pre-supported, you know, you can't guarantee I can guarantee that the, the, the unsupported I give you is a bloody good model. I can guarantee you that. So when are we going to see your files available on things like My Mini Factory? I mean, that that's the next step, right? You've got subscription service for the people that want everything, but if somebody wants to buy a one-off file, you pay a premium, an upcharge for that because you know, yep. you're know you only buying one file? Yep. Uh, so I think we're already up. We've got our two free ships. It's already up on uh, Colt3D. And we're just chatting with my mini factory. I think he might be at Expo this weekend. We're going to catch up with him. But three calls away through the conversation, just dealing with some timing issues. We want to give every our subscribers a little bit of a um, sneak peek and, a, and an early pass. And we're just working out. I think we'll probably go with things like, here's the halflings, here's the Riftforged Orcs, buy the pack, away you go. We probably won't make those available on our site. You just go back and retro click up some subscriptions if you want it. Um, we just 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 that finesse to make sure that they've got a unique reason, but we're going to be going out there, and, and you know it, it ties into you know what's coming next with the whole big recruitment drive because you know there's a lot of people using those models for other games, but we'd love them to come play ours. It does seem like a miss though. I didn't see any dwarves in the vault. That's just because they're mine. They're too precious to give away to other people. I mean, no other race would cover a vault like dwarves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I suppose I missed that. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, my bad. All of our dwarves are all um, 
traditionally sculpted. They're all uh, they're all green stuff. So you know, they're all three up green stuff. So they weren't even uh, your old plastic rage with the integrated basing. That's that's old at this point. Correct. It really is. So yeah, I, I blame the designer, whoever that clown was. Um, <laughs> yeah. So actually, we've got no dwarfs to upload because they were all sculpted um, the traditional method. Mantic Companion, that's also been something you guys rolled out recently. We're a little farther along than Vault, but how would you rate it so far? Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be wonderful. I think I think probably the timing of that and the big red book confused people. And I think probably you know, we need to just chat about what 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 is true and, and and what what it means so that we can manage expectations. I think I did that poorly. I think this was when Robert Gollum and I, I think you know, he had a very good way of taking what I said and turning it into what I meant to say. Right. Uh, he was very good at translating one-isms into truths. And if I was sprouting complete rubbish uh, or things was going to go down very badly, he'd say, explain what you mean, why you mean it. And when I understand why you mean it, I'll tell you what you need to do. And And, and so I think there was a good... A degree there where my enthusiasm to create some fun has created some chaos, uh, which you know I kind of like to, but you know probably not the best. Let's talk about the big red book first. Let's go back to that. And my the idea with that was kind of twofold. One, and I probably with hindsight I should have just let the Clash of Kings book come out. You know, if I put my hands up and say, but I thought well everyone's going to give us. 25 quid, 25 bucks, 30 bucks, whatever it was, for a Clash of Kings book. For five quid more, I can get rid of four books for them. Retrospectively, we're just getting to the place where all the rules are a number of places. And the Clash of Kings 2022 book was very, was very exciting, very good fun. It was going to be two years old. It was going to be hard to get. We'd run out of the print, so we wouldn't have done it. Uncharted Empires was four years old. And so I thought, well, there's been a number of tickets from all in one place and just reset the clock. We don't feel ready to do it. We lost the year to the pandemic. If I just do one book, we then got one book for two years. And anyone that joins us, um, and, you know, I was thinking about Old World here, and I was thinking about what else was going on. I was thinking about the new plastics because we just had the ogres. Uh, and I was blown away by the quality of the plastics. I think they're the best, best, best we've ever done by far and consistently able to deliver that. So I thought, well, let's just kind of press a reset, bring it all on. It's a few quid more than the original book. Take out the background. I know people like that. We'll put that up on the web. All the rules, all the armies, all in one place. And I think I didn't explain that that was not, therefore, we were never going to do anything again. More, it was a catch-up of, of the Clash of Kings two-year-old book. It was a clash of, catch-up of the uh, Uncharted Empires. Uh, all the bits, the bit, all the errata, all the one pages, all gone, all clear. Now, obviously, then we had a few misprints and had another errata there, but there we are. Um, the idea was one book to rule them all, reset, re-clean up, have two more years of fun and craziness, and go from there. Yeah, I still don't know where the idea that this book is going to hold till fourth edition. I feel like I'm, I'm kind of in the know. I do a lot of interviews and stuff and I read a lot of stuff. I have not found it anywhere where anybody said 
We're not making any changes until fourth. I fully expected a clash of kings. To- yeah, well, I think we can talk about that. And, and, and I, I, I definitely use one sentence that may have hinted at why there was no clash twenty three in people's minds. But categorically, I was always saying this is backwards, comparing everything up to here, so we can start again. And the reason I was trying to start again was because I knew what I had planned. Now I think if Rob had been around, this is what the message would have been. I was so obsessed with the Twilight Kid and people were talking about the Twilight Kings. I wanted to say, don't start an army. Do not start building a Twilight Kid army. And I said, take it out of the rule book. What? Take, take it out. And then people know, well, I can't do it. Yes, you can't. Now, if you've got one, here's, we can put on a companion, you can play it. But for goodness sake, don't start building because you're going to hate me. Because by this point, we were really deep in the conversation about Twilight Kid, about the Void, Night Stalkers, Northern Alliance, background. You know, what, one of the criticisms is not enough fluff. Believe you me, there's fluff coming, like more than you find in your belly button. There's that much fluff coming. So tons of storyline and narrative and driven. So you, and I knew we were doing some plastics and I knew we were going to go slightly off piece. So it felt very exciting to me. It felt kind of like, wow, here we go. I can now release things and update them with the companion. Now, I'm not intending to cause chaos, not intending to invalidate lists, the knowledge that if you've got a tournament this weekend, we're not going to take the old list down and, and you know, you can only use a new one. Oh, my army's not legit. No, no, here's the old, here's the new. Everything lasts till Clash of Kings and Clash of Kings is kind of the printed reset point for us to go, and now it's this, now it's only this. That's when it all becomes that. But, so, so, yeah, so I think what we didn't do is talk enough about, I should have spoken far more clearly about Night Stalkers and Northern Alliance at that time. I think we chatted about it and I said they're getting stuff, but I think people didn't understand that I meant if I'm doing something in plastic, I want the rules to come out and I want to be cool. You know, if I'm releasing a plastic kit, it's a major investment. It's the biggest money we spend. I want you to run out and, and buy, buy some and play with them and add them to your army. You know, it's kind of essential. It's why GW do their codexes because... Uh, we need you to go and start this army, the League of Voltan. You know, oh, I mean, um, you know, we're not going to do the super overpowered and then turn them down. Probably just a mistake on their part. Definitely not a pattern. Um, but you know, here, here's where you go in terms of let's have some cool things have come out. Keep that army fresh. It's going to get revisited once every seven years. You know, the Night Stalkers are not getting anything. For the next, well, they might get tweaked and Clash of Kings, but that's it. Only once they've done that, that's their time in the sun. Honestly, you know, the move to Companion, I've never been a big fan of carrying a big heavy rule book around. I just take my iPad. And people say, oh, you're digging My iPad is beat to hell. It's got a crack screen. I don't, it probably would, it's worth less than the rule book, but it's light. And it's searchable. I think the big thing that Elliot's done brilliantly with this is this living rule book idea, which is so, and this is where. You don't need a Clash of Kings book. Okay, now let me be very clear on this one. Okay, at the end of this year, we intend to release a Clash of Kings book. That will have, let's say, just for example, in the future, we're very soon about to release, let's say, I'll make something up, dwarfs, flying rooks, throwing ice hand grenades and spears. It sounds a little far-fetched, to be fair. I know it's ridiculous. It's never going to happen. But what the hell? Let's, uh, let's just talk about it. That will go in the Northern Alliance Army because they're a Northern Alliance entry. They will not go in the Free Dwarfs Army at this time. That's waiting for Clash of Kings. When the Twilight King come out, which is a full new army list, it goes in the Clash of Kings. The Clash of Kings book is still going to be the same as it always was. It's going to capture everything up. 
rebalance everything, redraw everything, and new units that have come out will be added in there. But you happen to have a dwarf army. Well, you can't see my screen, it's hit me on the head. Um, and you think that, oh, I might find these as free dwarfs, dwarf throwing grenade guys. You can buy them, you can build them, you can have them right there, and the knowledge that those rules are going to drop. At the end of the year, ready for next year's tournament scene, I'm a free dwarf player, I'm adding them to my, to my army. So models first, rules later. Um, and the only rules that are getting updated in the month of release is that army, that one army, Night Stalkers, Northern Alliance, and then the Twilight King's different because that's a new release. And I think we'll do a survey and say, listen, guys, what do you want to do? I feel like I can't do right for doing wrong here. Uh, I want to give you a vibrant game system that just changes ever so slightly, a little bit. But I also understand that there's tournament players who spend a lot of time building their army up and want to play it. And so, for example, with Night Stalks, Northern Alliance, there's old and new army lists on the companion app. Build whichever you want. Nothing is behind a paywall. You know, um, we've made one new word up for Night Stalkers, which was a cool thing. Um, it will be in Clash of Kings, but we've, we've put it out there for free. It's on blogs and, you know, it, it's the one keyword. However you want to have it, it's there. And I don't want you to go ferreting around in, um, in old blogs when you're trying to find a rule. You know, it'll go in the change log. It'll go in the errata. Here's the errata. We'll put one out after Northern Alliance. Comes Night Stalkers Northern Alliance. There's the rule. I don't want you to pay for it. Just download it. It's yours. It's free. If you bought those units, here they are. And when you build your army list using them on the companion, they're all there. Everything's there. So it isn't a money grab. The subscription thing is a way of staying up to speed, having your iPad thing, paying for an engineer to make sure it's always working and never broken, all updated. Um, so, yeah, kind of, so Clash of Kings, on the day the Clash of Kings book comes out, if you have a Silver Kings of War subscription, all those rules, but magically they will just appear in the living rulebook. You have all those rules. You have all the new keywords. They'll just be in the keyword section. You will have you know, all the stats, all updated, all the new rules. The Twilight King will just be there. So should you live in Kuala Lumpur or should you not want to be carrying another book around, you can go along, type it up, read the change log, read the background sections, watch Cal's videos about how they play. You don't need to physically buy a book. And I think that's maybe where that's the one book to... However, I'm fairly sure there's quite a number of old chaps, such as myself, who are more than happy to take a book, <laughs> have a good read of it, know that the rules are over there, but I want to have a read, I want to have it on my shelf, I want one of each. It's fine, we're still going to print it. And I'm just trying to do as, as much for everybody as possibly can while offending nobody, but I'm not quite pulling it off at the moment. Well, if you don't offend anybody, you're not making anybody happy, right? <laughs> okay, there we go. So, I'll tell you. so, yeah, I think we've not quite got the communications right, but um, I've not done a good job explaining the charm of it, which is hopefully this is not some, you know, like money grab. I think I've just been handed by my beautiful sister. Even the bronze level Clash of, uh, bronze level clash of Kings. Yeah, so if you've got the living rule book, if you're paying for a subscription to that, watch Dave Wall. So, going back to the companion, what else do you want to add to it? I mean, are we going to get other? I mean, you guys did just recently add Armada. What else is coming down the Any other rule sets coming? Well, probably in the short term, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. We're going to, um, 
we're gonna we're gonna slightly flip it. I think we've done the big clever stuff, technically clever, the STLs, the companion we've built Armada in there. I think the summer and later into quarter three is all about massive recruitment drive, massive slow growers, um, building to a big narrative um, uh, culmination of the year, which is which is joy exciting. We've got, as you know, 150 people, and we've totally sold out the space. We can make it no bigger. So I think we're going to be the biggest Kings of War tournament ever in the world, kicking off 9th and 10th of September, which is super exciting. Um, so that's that's kind of allowed me me and the team here to focus. I've seen what Matt Crodge has been doing down in um, Australia with the slow grow. I see what you guys are doing with the slow grow. And they're both brilliant and they're both fantastic. And before we started recording, I showed you my toys that I was um, – just uh, have been slow growing and I, I'm not allowed to photograph them until next week. But as soon as I do, if you'll let me, I'll join your slow grow and, and show off what I've been doing. Absolutely. I'm sure people will love to see the models. Yeah. It won't surprise anybody if, if I say they're dwarves, right? Like well, at the end of know, the day, you don't, you, I don't think you've ever put a brush to model that's not a dwarf. Oh, that's not true. I'm, okay, next time, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you one of my other painting minis and give it to you. What would you like? Do you like rats? I do like rats. Yes. No. Yeah. Fine. I. Uh, but they are dwarfs. Yes, you're right. <laughs> um, so, so big slow grow over the summer. I know a lot of people have mantic armies in boxes under their bed. I know they've bought them. I know they've glued bits of them together. I know they've thought about building an army of them. And then it's two weeks of the tournament, and they realise they don't have time enough to get good and get competent and get it finished, and they're going to end up getting. Absolutely, their ass whooped if they don't do. So they take their old army again. Mm-hmm. And year after year after year, that happens. And what Matt's done and what you're doing is going, stop. If we don't start now, you're not going to have an army that's close enough that you can get it over the line. And by the way, you're going to need to play three or four times. It's a multi-year thing. And you know we're leaning more into the army unit basis because I think that takes a lot of issue away in terms of you're not painting 200 figures, you're painting eight units. And if you allow yourself that freedom, I only have a dwarf army because I allow myself to do that. Um, but I think it's that that commitment to it. And, you know, some parts of the hobby that some people live, you know, Martin love Martin that works here loves the painting of armies, occasionally plays very badly with it. Others, it's a chore. But if we can help the chores through it and we can engage with the ones that find it a joy, slowly but surely we all end up with more uh, painted soldiers and less lead under the bed. Yeah. And one of the things that'll help is those instructions. You know, that's been a a thing that's been like, hey, we need instructions. You know, I've been around the hobby enough that I can figure out A to A, B to B. To your point, if you have someone that's maybe not a a veteran hobbyist, this is exactly what you need. Put this, you know, diagrams, exploded drawings showing this, put this here. And uh, what you put in the ambush box is, is you know, I'm, I'm assuming a taste of what's to come. And it's great. Well, and then the source book. You know, if you see the Night Stalker one, that's got a background, that's got assembly guides, that's got painting guides. It's got, you know, a real source book. I mean, you know, and there's other companies not far from us. Okay, it's about 100 pages of that, but they charge for it. We just give it away free. Exactly. QR code. Download yep. it. Have a read about the Night Stalkers and how freaky they are. And there's going to be one of those for Northern Alliance. Or there's going to be one for the Twilight Kin. Here we are. Find out more. We might collate them and stick them in a book. But stuff is just trying to make us better at getting new people to come and try Kings of War. We are going to, I don't know if you saw it, but a couple of weeks ago, we had a, the king got coronated. 
and we had a King's Weekend and we had about 300 rule books of the green book left mm -hmm. in the warehouse. Um, and so I had a little promotion to pay for the postage and you can have the rule book or add it to an order for free. And they were gone in 20 minutes, which told me the number of people that want it. And you can go online and get free rules, but physically having a book is still of appeal to us to have a read and to get to know and look at the armies and, and think about it. We've taken it to Salute, we've taken it to Denticorn, we've been giving them out for people that are interested. So actually, we're going to print a mini rule book. It's going to be 20 odd pages, it's going to be give it to your mate, you know, get two copies, one for yourself and one for your friend. And it's going to have a little bit about the campaign that's coming up, but predominantly it's just going to be all the rules for Kings of War. Here's all the ambush sets. Here's some units you might want to add. If you want to play goblins, go to the companion and download a goblin army list. It's all there for free. Come join us. Bring your old second edition Warhammer army and come and play Kings of War and have some time and see see if you like this wonderful game that we've got. Um, and if you've got a reason to want to do it, well, there's a global campaign in a couple of weeks' time. If you're in the slow grow, what a great time to try ambush. If you're bringing your army over, what a great time to get involved. If you've got your mates doing it or thinking about it, give them a free rule book. And, you know, if you, if you do an order, just add it to the order and be there for free. And so I think we're just going to go on a big old drive uh, using the fact that all these STL people that are printing armies can look at us and go, well, Mantica does a pretty cool thing. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up the rule book for this. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at that. I've got an old army that I want to dig out and play. Come join us. Come along and have some fun with us. And I think there's a lot of um, a lot of focus on re-energizing the customers we've got with a big global campaign that's going to tee up. I think the one we're going to do with you next year and uh, recruiting and welcoming a load of new fresh blood because we're as big as we are now. How much fun would it be if we were doubled? Yeah, that sounds awesome. You, you did mention that you've got unit basing in the ambush boxes, right? So that's that's a big change. Totally. And, and the Northern Alliance box, you you get you get regiment trays now, you get unit trays. And you know, I've done I showed you my things, but absolutely, my hobby time is all about making the base. And and, and it's, the, it's the one unifying thing on my on my dwarf farming. It's a revelation. You know, the same journey. In olden days, you used to get 20 millimeter bases, glue all your fingers into them, glue all of them onto a tray, and then you know that was it. And then you go, wait a second, don't need the 20 mil bases. Actually, make a feature of the base, make that right. part of the story, make that part of the theme. Suddenly, you've got space to put barrels, put dead figures, put cool things that make it even acer. Which is why, when I see non-mantic minis on unit trays that aren't on 20 more bases, that's when my heart breaks. That's when I know we've not done our job right. When I see an old army that's glued down, you go, well, you know what, they're taking the old army to glue it down. Uh, or they're not glued it down because they want to use it in another game or a skirmish game. But when they've purposely made this beautiful scenery piece and then use other people's minis, you're like, well, we did that because our minis weren't good enough. So, Or you didn't make them, right? There, there are armies you don't make models for. Well, and that's, and that's all those... We've not done our job right, but that's where yeah. slowly, but surely I just wanted people to do that. And you know what Matt's doing, what you're doing is slow grow because it's a revelation. It's how this game plays and it's what makes it wonderful. Once you've built a unit, I think it's fun to add. You know, you don't stop at 2,300 points because then the, the meta changes and you tweak this and suddenly you're playing a different game. You're not playing chess again. You're playing chess with a slight 
variant and keeps it fresh and it keeps it exciting. And that's why, you know, I was kind of slightly curveballed by the, what the hell are you doing with the Lightstalkers? I was thinking like, no, surely, yay, what are you doing with the Lightstalkers? But I was talking to Paul Walsh, he, me and he were messaging, so I'm like, come on, tell me, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And he said, well, I just wrote my army list. I don't know, and then I was building it for Clash, and I was like, okay, I get it. When you're that level of painter, you need nine months. You know, you don't want to be getting it tweaked. So you go, listen, I've got a lot of sympathy for the chaos I've caused. I'm not pretending I've got it right. Uh, but you need to listen a bit and go, okay, how do I give you what you want that gives you enough warning? Because I want to see his army. I mean, I know it's going to be breathtaking. I know it's going to be fantastic. And so, you know, it's almost it's, it's ironic that the person that I'm you know, kind of pissing off is specifically the person whose army when I go to clash. I, I've been for years saying, come on, come and do one of our armies. Don't use someone else's. And it's a major commitment. And he's like, I don't need a subscription. You're like, no, you don't. Don't feel guilty to have a subscription. It's not for you because you do one army a year. You play because you're a painter. Whereas, you know, for you, Rob, I've got my old iPad. You are not making me carry that damn thing around. You give me rules. I've got them on my iPad. I've right. got them today. I don't give it that because your hobby is I want to get playing. I want to get traveling. I want to be on a plane, get around the US. So this is where not everything I do is for everybody. And, and, and I've got to try and make sure it's as good for most people most of the time that makes them nearly happy. Part of it is you've got baggage, right? In the sense that you've made a game that was originally designed. Hey, bring the models you've got show up, play the game, and we'll get you in, into, into Mantic Armies at some point. I use the rule, if you don't make the model, if I if I use something different, it's on me. Yep, don't count, which we've, we've, we've always said. Yeah, no, and I think that, I think we should do that from the get-go. You know, it's 90% Mantic models, as long as Mantic makes the model. We, we can't knock you out if we don't make it. So make thing is, what I'm realizing, it, well, also 10 years ago, you know, it was 2015 when our big influx came in, and I was like, yay! And then someone was going, and all of a sudden, we've had communities pop up in the US, absolutely going great. The retailers are happy. They're playing in stores and everything else. 3D printing comes along. And then all of a sudden, they're never in the store. The retailer won't see them. When they turn up, they've got this 3D printed army that looks a bit cack. It doesn't look like anything that's all of a sudden, the retailers go, well, I can't stop this line. It's dead. And so, you know, part of the start of the thing was when we were talking about this stuff, STLs didn't exist. And I thought, well, we could bury our head in the sand or we could start engaging with it. And actually, the plastics I want to, are super cheap. You know, when you factor in your time, your electricity, and and your um, thingy, the plastic model is just about the most efficient way of getting it. I don't know how you make any money on the ambush kits. I think here in the U.S. we're paying like forty dollars. Yeah, you buy the the goblins. That's forty goblins and in, in two mincers. That's a dollar a model. I don't. And that's what it was when we launched twenty years ago, no, fifteen years ago, thirty years ago. The dollar a model, and we're still there. And we're doing that by trying to get scale, by trying to say, well, look, let's take the tooling hit. Let's get it out there because what we want to do is get people playing with our goblins, which are just as good as anything that's out there. And that's why, you know, when I say a goblin army, it makes, me, it makes me weep because our goblins are beautiful. I want to play with them. I want to have all the army there. And I want to see gorgeous. And we're seeing it. I mean, I'm, I'm being on the next. What's happening with Matt? What's happening? You know, Clash of Kings last year in the UK, it was all Mantic Army. There was like six non. There was one on the top 10 tables. People had made the effort. And, and, you know, to that point, at the end of the year, there's Ronnie the Bardstead model coming. It's going to be a split figure. There's going to be a happy, smiling Ronnie Bard on this side and the evil, nasty Ronnie <laughs> Bard on the other side. And if he encounters, he goes in your army, zero points. If he, if he encounters a mantic unit, he just sings at them. 
be the goodies or baddies, he just sings, no problem. Uh, but if you found it's a non-Mantic army, 20 attacks, you know, <laughs> hitting, on, <laughs> hitting on ones, you know, nerve, minus 20. So, you know, tournament organizers use your own. But anybody that has a Mantic army at an event, starting with Clash of Kings, but I'm going to come to some of the US events next year. I'm going to get you some, anyone has a Mantic army, here's your on the barge. The only way you get it. It's coming along to that slow grow, then coming along to an event, bringing it up and turning it up. And we'll have that, you know, for the next few years. Here you go. And you know, when you've won one with that army, we'll have another one which you can get with your next army. So that it encourages, because there's carrot and stick. And at the end of the day, it, it's your hobby time and you do what you want. If you want to build an old 1980s night goblin army from the day or, you know, a, a army built with Jar Jar Big Fox, not yourselves out, guys, of course. You're playing games. You're having fun. How can I? How, how all power to you. Enjoy yourselves. When I put my commercial ad on, I want to make products that you want to buy. Build our new flying dwarf ninja killer death machines because they're super cool. They're great looking. They're filled with fun, and uh, and you engage with it and so on and so forth. So we're trying to do a lot more carrot. And there's um, no stick because ultimately it's not to do with us what you do. But we do want to encourage, you know, minimum model count simply so that your opponent knows there's 15 more models, that's all. But And again, I think it was really leaning to the units with the birds. There there would have been three models, but there don't need to be three. They don't fit. And I said don't design them to fit because then it looks shoved on. But also the stats now then, they don't have to be three wounds, three hits. They can just be whatever they want to be. Right. They can be whatever they want to be. It's what they are, isn't it? The unit of flying birds that come out and kill. So anyway, that's the good stuff. We've got one more thing to talk about, which is the shadowed horizons. I think we had some really good fun back in the day with uh, global organised campaigns. They were really good fun, and they ended with uh, you know the abyss getting updated, some models dying, some heroes getting made. So we've kind of learned from all of that, but we now have the technical wizardry of being able to build our own campaign manager. And we've also got a very major event, which is a new race properly and for the first time being introduced to the world of Panifor. They've been around forever, but they're going to arrive and they're going to walk down. And so having having the fun of our two armies for this year, Night Stalkers and Northern Alliance, and, and one of the things is, you know, the, Panador's a living world. There's a whole lot going on. But unfortunately, most of it's going on in Matt's head. <laughs> and then he, he talks to uh, he, you know, talks to Brandon, and then he talks about writing a book, and the book comes out three years later. But there is tons and tons of stuff going on right, right now. And I think the, the global campaign is our chance to pull it to the fore. You know, the abyssal dwarfs were sent up in the Halpies Rift to take it um, because – the wicked ones are after things that are in chill. There is something in chill that I'm not allowed to say what it is, but it's a very powerful thing. Twilight Kin don't know what it is, but they know it's a very powerful thing. They might or might not have void cages that allow them to open rifts. So they're going to start opening some rifts right up and around chill. The Northern Alliance are going to know <laughs> that people want the thing that they have. Now, you know, as it happens, um, only Talonar knows what it is. But Alf and Dan, Olaf and the rest are going to go out and raise the allies and say, guys, we have to come together. We have to stop what they think is stalkers from attacking Chill and taking it. 
buddies will go, hey, it's a scrap, let's go, we're all in. The abyss will start coming out. So September, we are running a massive global campaign. We know that the end of it will result in not the uh, Night Stalker spilling out of the void, but the Twilight Kid, led by He's actually orchestrating it all. It's going on in the background. But what we're going to have is goodies v. baddies, neutrals for hire, fall on whichever side you want. On the Friday the 8th, up at HQ, you want to build a unit of Night Stalkers or flying dwarfs on and thinking we're going to have charge of the Valkyrie Brigade. They're going to be dwarfs swooping in and fighting against the, um, the Night Stalker horde. And we're just going to have it rolling around, have some beers and some pizza. But obviously, you can already hear the, the charge of the Valkyries music in the background. Um, and then we're going to load up all the results from the Clash of Kings. So 750 results, you know, winning army counts. So if it's a, a good win, it counts. If a bad win, it counts. Neutral can just pick whichever one they want to align with for the weekend. And then all of September... Come play your games, log them, build your army, show your kit off, use your slow grow, play an ambush battle, and put it all in there. And we're just going to have a huge, great, glorious celebration of King's War. And so I think that's what we're going to be doing. We've got, we've got a great story. We're going to get voice actors to, to, to do all the narrative. We've got the source books of the two new armies. And we're going to have a huge unveiling of the Twilight. That's awesome. It's something that we were chatting before we started. Narrative gaming is a big part of this. Uh, certainly on our podcast, the, the competitive player gets the lion's share of the content. Yeah. They're the most loud. They're the most engaged. Maybe. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong on that. And I, I, I love the fact that there's a there maybe a shift coming. Hey, we haven't forgotten about the, 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 the guys and girls playing in the garage. Yeah, correct. The shift is we haven't forgotten. It's not at the expense of the tournament player. We want them to be very happy, and I think we've done some things there that were designed to make them happier. I think it slightly pissed some of them off, and that's my bad. But I think if we get used to the new norm, we can. it's finessing just how we communicate it and how we make sure that it feels congruent for them. I don't want to piss them off. That's not the intention. But on the other hand, I absolutely do want to cater to the people who just love painting toy soldiers, building huge armies, having a good time. You know, I want Scott to run one of his weekends over in uh, in California and have everybody around to his house and all playing. And, uh, you know, they're just going to have a big tournament weekend, but they're going to have a theme and he'll print some 3D scenery and it will be all about the void. And by the way, it's the void. So our trees are coming out and they're kind of void trees. And it's, so it's a theme to just excite you about the hobby, excite you about your gaming weekend and having some fun and um, just, just rolling dice, drinking beers, playing with your mates, and building up, being part of the story. You know, if the baddies win, there will be more rifts. There will be more, you know, void cages. It will be a very bad thing for the goodies. If the goodies do well and unite and beat them off, then, then yeah, the Twilight Kid are going to be there, but they're going to be unstable. It's not going to be as... Suddenly, you've now got the rift and the void in the same area, putting a threat on Basilea, putting a threat on northern, on the, on the northern wastes. Exciting stuff. Now we just need like a general's compendium. We need to get Matt so we can integrate ambush, vanguard, dungeon saga, kings of war all into one one campaign weekend. I will. Well, the Armada's going to be in it. There's absolutely going to be Armada. There's obviously, all the all the fleets are uh, relevant. So no, there'll be definitely an Armada section. So you'll know that. I might be speaking out of turn, and this might be a bit of a reveal, but I'd be very surprised if the four messenger heroes that don't go off to the independent kingdoms and don't lead the armies or not, Orlaf, Riordan, Madriga, 
and um, don't know. So, uh, you know, Rory's going to pop down to the Dwarfs. He's, he's off, got other missions, actually. He's got a very big, important thing going on. But just before he does, he sees this threat. And he's going to pop along and, um, and get them sorted out. You're going to have... Um, Olaf's going to be leading one of the armies, I think. Him and um, Clarion are going to be leading the Northern Lions army. So they're going to be major players in it. But you know, he is the guy that talks to Talonar. And Talonar's going to be instru- the instructions to say, you've got to get messengers out there. We need the allies. We, they need to come and fight. Um, you know, you've, you've got things like the, the Basileans and the Northern Irons aren't super happy because the Basileans, you know, worship the Shining Ones. And, you know, the, the, the rumours that are getting there, I can't say that. But anyway, there's, there's, there's friction between the good guys. They're all good. They all don't like bad guys, but there's friction. So um, there's, there's, there's tons going on. That's awesome. So obviously Night Stalkers, just big, you had a nice splash release. You've got some hard plastic butchers with the alternate build now and Reapers with their with the Tormentors build. Uh, we got yep. a new Void Lurker model. Anything else coming for Night Stalkers? Yeah, we're moving on. I think you've, we've got them and then we've got the ambush set. We've got the source book and I think that's the template. Uh, we'll do that for Northern Alliance because it's too, it's too hard to change. They're going to get an ambush set as well. They've got an army and a mega army. Gain two new hard plastic brews, which can make ice kin berserkers and uh, maybe some flying dwarves with grenades. Um, we've got a few tweaks to that army. It, it has got some some little tweaks. The, uh, the Huskars were the go-to unit, and we've made the premium go-to unit. And you, but then we bumped the tribesmen up. We've changed the name for for uh, for obvious purposes. So the tribesmen are going to be, you're going to need some of those units. And then here's a couple of your Huskarls that sit behind that and they're called Huskarls. So also we hate invalidating models. Right. And then you're going to get to use them, of course. But we want the core of your army to be slightly anchored back towards those uh, tribesmen um, units. So uh, cool there. Source book again, freshen up the army list. We just rebalance it, retweak it slightly. We'll all go into the Clash of Kings book. And then we'll have the survey that says, okay, Twilight Kings all new. Here's what we're thinking of doing with the releases. Tell us what you want for next year. You know, tell me if you like this model, great. We can do it again, but tell me what you didn't like about it. Who does it inconvenience for? You want more plastic, less plastic? And we'll have a survey running while all this is going on four to six weeks from now before we nail down the Clash, the, the 2024 Kings of War plastics. You know, people say, look, genuinely once a year, Ronnie, that's all we want. One army. Okay, I'll tell you what the 2024 army is going to be, and that's what we'll do. If you want to be able to do that, quite lean towards heavy cavalry, I think they could freshen up, you know, have a look at those, and, and it would be a good thing for lots of armies. But, you know, that's, that, that's, that's to be decided. Let's, let's have a chat and make sure that what we do is widely welcomed and, and, and inconveniences nobody or as little as possible, and we'll just communicate it as loudly and early as possible. Do not start building this army when we do the Clash of Kings. Do not build it. You know, if we've not done plastics for it, you shouldn't be building that army because we will do plastics and it won't end up that way. Done. The army list and no plastics, it's a way of using the army you've got. There's some things you can glean from what you've done with the Night Soccers too, which is probably a template going forward and obviously get some feedback from the community, but you know, getting away from PVC. 100%. That's, that's done. And it has no place in Kings of War. It has no place in, in, in the core Kings of War army lists. 
we, we dabbled with it and it didn't work. You know, it wasn't there. So it, some- it works fine for Dungeon Saga or for a board game. Yeah. It is an economical way to get something to the table quickly. We're great for Walking Dead. Single models. I want lots of sculpts. Uh, I don't model. I don't uh, change the pose. I don't need 20 of them lined up in a unit. I want a load of zombies and I want my characters to look like my characters. We can do that. You know, I think it's perfect board games. But, you know, there is no plan to put any of the Dungeon Saga Origins plastics in the game. So much so, we put them on round bases. They are D&D figures. They are NPCs. They are... And I think some people will cut one or two off and add them to the unit. Great. Of course you can. But they're not primarily what they're there for. They're there for the job they are, which is Dungeons, Dungeon Saga. To get rid of PVC, you've kind of used a, a few different options. One is make it in hard plastic. You could make it in resin. Uh, and, and like in the case of the Phantoms, where you already had some resin sculpts or Shadow Homes, you had some resin sculpts. We'll just sell you a box of resin and we'll get rid of the PVC. Uh, or the third option, which is we have a great Mind Screech model. You know, the planar apparition could be an upgrade to that. That way we don't have to make the model. And the, and the STLs, the STLs there. And it's just been a little bit slicker with a few of those things to say, here's all your entries. Here's how you can do it. If you want an STL, you can. If you want the resin, we don't need to give you 10 resin phantoms. You know what I mean? They're, they're cool. You don't need 10 of them. You get the whole field. So I think they've given them six, keeping the resin cost down. I think they still end up being quite expensive, which is what resin is. But, you know, we're just trying to make it as, as, as easy and accessible as we can on as many fronts as we can to give you almost all of the army in five or six clicks. Mega army, plus, plus, plus. It ties to the unit basing thing, right? You're offering unit basing now. Well, now you've really you've really dove it into. Hey, this is what fits on that base. So with the Reapers, it's the same thing, right? You you don't get ten models. You get what fits on that troop size base. Uh, and obviously, with the possibility of a new dwarf Raven unit down the road, it might just be two models, right? And the Phantoms, yeah. the same thing. It's perfect. Yeah, it's enough. And then you can just go and actually, it will it will probably unlock some of the stats, wounds level thing. Because actually, at the moment, you're kind of tied to a troop being 10, because that's what it was, a regiment being 20, 12 times. Because that's actually the core blocks we've built around. But actually, as we start having some more fun, there can be some way you go, well, that's, that's an eight. It's, it hits hard, but it doesn't take a lot of damage, you know? Or, 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 or actually, it's a scuff unit, and you're going to, well, they're coming. So I, I don't think we're there yet, but I think as time goes by, by leaning into the base unit size, there's actually a freedom in that, that, but it doesn't need to be always three ogres, three stone trolls, three flying birds. No, two flying birds with dwarves on top of them look just as tough as three ogres. Man, I can see a future where we don't have to have the discussion of MMC, PMC, or anything else in the rulebook. I think we'd be able to just say, yeah, it's this. And then actually the minimum model count is that. It's just that. That's a number. That's how many figures need to be on it. That or more. because But it's an exact number. Because actually... This will be two. The, the thing is, will be two. Right. There will be two of them on there. Why? Because well, that's what it's all based on. That's what it is. So yes, I think I think you've got to the same place. We're not ready to say it publicly, but I just have. But I think <laughs> it will knock all of this on the head. Probably not by this Clash of Kings, but at some point in the not too distant future. It's not a discussion point. For the Night Soccer rules updates that you just put out, do you expect there to be any changes between now and the end of the year and actually what goes in the Clash of Kings might be slightly tweaked? I don't think there will be. I mean, that certainly the intention is not to, to be doing that. I want it to be like, when we do this army, we've done this army. Now, when you do an army, you kind of lose sight of other things. You know, when you do a when you do a, a rule book, you say, let's talk about cavalry. And let's talk about archers. 
And you actually, in many ways, and it's happened with third edition, you bland things but out because you nerf archers. And so if they get nerfed, everything comes back towards And then you have to put the character back in. And as you put that character back in, you're never quite as dramatic because you're adding a little bit of salt, a little bit of spice. When you do an army, you play with that army and you tease it out and you really push the boundaries. And invariably, you go tougher than weaker. You're pushing it and you want it to be cool and you want it to be there. We try, genuinely try, not to push it so far that we have to rein it back in. And the proviso has to be, but sometimes you do. Sometimes it's just too cheap or too tough for for a hood going play. Absolutely, the plan is, nice stalkers, there's your new army, it's done, it'll go and clash of kings, then it becomes cannon. Till that point, TO's choice, both will be available. Northern Alliance, here it is, this is what we've got. These are the new units. You're building a new army list, here it is. So if you add something that's really cool, you don't want to take out, you know, you, you can't use the old army, you can't use Huskarls and you know, the new flying dwarven rooks because now it's mega, mega overpowered. What they've done is they've toned that down, put that in, put more flavour in, put more juice, you know, made the, the, the juice worth the squeeze. But you have to use all the new one or all the old one. You can't you can't have a halfway house. But if you built that old army, you know, here you go. We don't want to invalidate you. You've got bug eater in two weeks' time. Go go and enjoy and play. So yeah, I mean, your know, balance is just very important. So, so Clash of Kings should be nothing more than minor tweaks, if any, but prefer not. It's difficult though what you guys are undergoing. You're you're doing a bunch of army refreshes, and you, you mentioned Huskarls. That's difficult because you have tribesmen, which used to be known as clansmen. They're on 20 millimeter bases, right? They're on 20 and the Huskars are on 25. This is what we've done. So to unlock, so when you go, your clansmen, which is when, you know, we want clansmen, no, tribesmen. Tribesmen. So if you upgrade one of your tribesmen to Huskars, the regiment size moves from 20 to 25. So 125 wide instead of 100. That's, that's perfect. Correct. Because what we don't want you to do is it's impossible to base smaller. If you're playing fairly you can, you're playing tournament, it matters. But it also then, you know, they're on a bigger footprint. It's obvious for the, your opponent to go, oh, that is... Yes. I know 25 millimeters may not sound like a lot, um, but it's enough. But it you can tell. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're there and they're big old fellas and they're supposed to be, you know, they're supposed to be the elite veteran warriors, the, the, the king's guard. They're supposed to be the best of the things. They were the army. And you go, guys, you know, it needs to be, they need to be parts of your army and so the way with the locked in is when you do it put them on 25 they're bigger they're, they're, they're towering seven foot uh, scandinavian viking nutcases so yeah it is hard it's always hard and you know what it's my army or it's oh my god kings of wars becoming unplayable it's it's overwhelming yeah i'm gonna go play something else and which was it well some, some, the, not the intention was supposed to put some fun in a little bit of spice it's supposed to be just a little bit of uh on a specific army to give you a source book, to give you new plastics, to give you a new unit you want to run out and play and enjoy yourselves. Um, but, you know, we're sensitive to the to the event coming up next weekend. Well, and to be fair, you didn't give us new plastic Huskarls. You made them an upgraded tribesman because you've got other plastics coming for, Nor- for Northern Alliance. Correct. And we gave you something entirely new. And I thought that was more fun. But of course, in my idea of fun, might be everyone else's idea of hell. So if it is, you know, then let's have that chat, have that survey. And then next year, I'll make sure that um, you have know, this boring and bland carry on with you saying crap. You know. 
uh, you know, like blind walls with hand grenades. Yeah, it doesn't get it doesn't get any better than that, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, so Northern Alliance are going to release in July, right? Is the plan? Yeah, and, and we're doing a big job with our US um, distribution to kind of have that in the stores, in their shelves, so that they can just ship it straight out because we just want to get get this product into people's hands. We want them collecting and playing with our armies and going, you know, fantastic, even post pandemic. But we've had a year or eighteen months, we just haven't recruited new players. You know, it's been kind of uh, on hold. We've been doing some of these projects. And so let's just get back out there. Let's get gaming and let's let's get the gaming going back on in local stores. You know, I think a lot of people during the pandemic, you know, Kings War players, got their own gaming table at home, started playing from home. I think there's a lot more tournaments than there were. You know, a couple of years ago, there was massive, 10 massive US tournaments. Now there's two every weekend. You know, mm-hmm. it's spreading around more. You have to travel as far. Uh, it means there's less of that big dramatic thing, but there's a lot more activity. And I think what we're going to do is, is double down on that, encourage it through a big organized play event, tee one up for next year. So, you know, build your army. It's worth doing. Try out new armies, play different things. Put, put, put the effort into your hobby and you're going to get rewarded for it. Well, Twilight Kin, they're coming up in the fall. So I think you, you hit on it. They're a Clash of Kings army. And that, that, that is the kind of template is that at the end of the year, everything big plus the army, the halflings, the Twilight Kin, that's when they hit. Now, that's when the new army hits. And by the way, I'm giving you a year's notice. I'll probably at the same time next year tell you what else is coming in the year. Here's all our releases. Right. Here's all what they are. I'll tell you what I'm doing with them, but just, just don't start building that army. Or if you've got it, just agree with your tournament that you're going to use that. Um, you know, let, let's just have that forewarning to steer clear of where we're going. It sounds like also probably hitting some stuff early and late is the best two ways of doing it and then leave the midsummer relatively clear so that you've got your army for that year. So, you know, if I'm going to change cavalry, right, get them out, Ronnie, get them out in February, March, and April. Let me get them involved. Have one update that covers the lot. We get them out in February, March. Let's have one update that covers a lot. Nothing till September. Yeah, cool. I can do that. Let's do that. And let's have activities in the summer. Let's have tournaments and let's have themes and let's do that. So, absolutely, you know, Clash of Kings, I think, originally landed in February in the first book and then relaunched. And it was just in the middle of the tournament scene for the US. And I totally missed that you guys have a year, it's January to December. So, we pulled it forward to November. So, you know, we've always listened. We want to listen. Um, I usually do something. It's the right thing at entirely the wrong time. So let's just work on the timing and finesse what it needs to be. And then we can go back to the, the happy happy days. Well, we're excited about the possibility of 2024, obviously, because we know there's going to be more of what we've seen in 2023. There's still a few ranges that have the integrated basing. Yeah. Traditionally sculpted from back in the day. Now, the undead, they're, they're still good. I think they're, they're still they're still good. Uh, but obviously, you still ha- yeah, you still have elves, you still have dwarves, and you have orcs. Orcs, you could argue, you don't really need to be updated. You got Rift Forge. If you want to make an orc army with more modern sculpts, just use the Rift Forge. The, the leaning is, you know, the Rift Forge. I think are going to kill all the other orcs off. Um, I think it's going there. So I think the two other dwarves and the elves. I think we'd, we'd want to encounter those in. I think the elves will be a, a salutary moment in the. I think it's an epiphany moment because I think we're leaving. You know, they were very marmite. Um, you know, you loved them or you hated them. I think the, yeah. uh, some of the aesthetics were the, the armor and the thought that went into them was one of the most developed. And when you see the design book, it's there. But the actual model, um, the size, 
I think when we move past that and just make them as cool as they can be. So I kind of want to time that for a for a milestone moment. Um, we might be 15 next year, so you know they've got an argument for that. The dwarfs, and I quite like that, but they're just about to have a big, massive civil war for reasons of, okay, you know, we can't tell you, but just watch this space, but that might be what Rawdon's doing. Um, but the three dwarfs and the empire are really getting pissed off with each other at the moment. So um, so there's a lot rumbling in the uh, in, in the vaults down there. Um, so big things planned, I think it's a case of timing it. I think it's taking on board the feedback from this year. What can we do better? How can we do more of the things you like? How can we make it really work for everybody? And then, um, and then crack it on and do it. It's always tough too, like if you're going to redo an elf range, well, how do you make it different? <laughs> There's yeah. so many elves out there. So, uh, you know, I think what you did with Rift Forge Oryx was great. Like, okay, rather than just redoing Oryx, let's take Oryx, but let's and let's beef them up. Let's throw them in the Rift. Make them awesome. Elves, probably something along the same lines. Maybe it's a Sylvankin. Well, exactly. And, that, and, that, and that's what I want to give us time with both of these. You know, I think the dwarfs may well split because I'd love Imperial Dwarfs and are fully Imperial Dwarfs and Free Dwarfs. They're almost halfway to the... Uh, to the Northern Alliance kind of vibe, but they're still dwarven, they're still armoured up, they still have their own you know, traditions and things. And then I've got some cool ideas about that, obviously, because it's dwarves. And so I think it's just make sure we have time enough to do very cool things like we've done with the Twilight Kin. And that just takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of planning time. It takes the Rules Committee need to know what the sculpts look like. The sculpts need to be playing in a way that the Rules Committee designed. So it's a circular process, you know. Uh, just did some truly filthy things to Kyle at the beginning that appalled him. And then he took those and made them into something that worked as an army. But now they play like no other army, taking it right to the right to the edge. And they've done that. And then you go, right, now they play like that, let's sculpt that. Now we've sculpted that, let's make sure that the weapon options are actually right. Well, as the in-house dwarf expert at Mantic, uh, I'm sure you've been working with Ben Stoddard and the guys over at Wingdisar to make sure that these many there's a, there's a trilogy right of of books coming out about dwarves. So I'm sure yeah. you've had your thumbprint on it to make sure that hey, that's not how dwarves act. Just keep flicking me off on that. I just don't get stuff. It's mine. I'm doing it. But they're going to be, you know, they, they, this is part of this big narrative. And when we start the campaign, watch out for it. We'll come on. We'll get everybody on the show for a few days, and we will just point out where to go and get all the background, you know, listen to it, have it as a as a podcast, have it as a narrative. We want to make it really accessible. We want to bring everyone up to speed with what's happened and happening uh, in the world of Panathor because, you know, then, then when you play your battles and you've got that narrative and you, you incorporate it in, you see the map change, you see people die uh, and new people come to the fore, you, you kind of are on that journey with us. We would be remiss if we didn't mention, you know, obviously this month, June, the coming up month, June, you've got some Armada releases, you've got some resin uh, uh, scenery, also there's scenery on the, on the vaults, but there's also going to be a new supplement that lets you play with pirates and, and ghost fleets. So a lot of Armada stuff coming, you know, and Abyssal Dwarves have been shown, Abyssal Dwarf uh, fleet. So is that going to be a fleet that's on the vault? Are you going to go digital only? Will that be the first time? Or are you thinking it's going to be resin? I think it's going to be resin first out the door. Uh, because they're still retailers that are still stocking the line and they've still got it on, on there. So I think we owe it to those with this range. They've supported it for two years. And then we owe it to them to, to come out of it that way. It will go on the vault. Fine. So, uh, you know, if you want it, it's there. Again, it's one of those, is there a right answer? I don't think so at this point. But there's definitely some wrong ones. And I think if a retailer had supported the line for two and a half years and then was closed off from stocking it, I think that would be wrong. 
And so I think when we release something entirely on the vault, you know, that, 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 that's a different question. But until that point, I think it's a, uh, it's very much with the, with the, with the retailers on this one. And yeah, and, and our mod is going very well. I think there's a, I want to give a big shout out to Warhol. You know, please go along, give it a try. It looks beautiful. Try out your fleets. The dwarfs are up there now. That's three of the, or there is a tournament coming up uh, at the end of this week. If you sign up for it, you can uh, you can play. Go to Warhol. There is. I'm going to put it on my social media afterwards, and I'll send you a link. But um, yeah, if you want to have a go, if you want to give it a try out, he is running a uh, online uh, tournament, one game per week, something like one game every two weeks, running over a, a number of weeks, so plenty of time to play it. Prizes, prizes galore. Uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, I can't tell you enough that I just think it's absolutely gorgeous that the guys have got something that's truly beautiful, and I wish I could support it more than we we have because I think um, you know anybody can now try Armada and play it and learn how to play it. Well, Armada seems like the perfect game for that infrastructure. Uh, it, it just—it's it, a 2D game set on a big, wide-open space. It makes perfect sense for Warhol. Down the road, are you thinking maybe other games, maybe a Vanguard or something? I mean, something else coming down the road, maybe? Yeah, I mean, I think Kings of War is the obvious next one to just because uh, I think you can practice your armies, you can try out new builds and things like that. But they're looking—they've actually got a uh, that engine built. It was built for you know Ninth Age. But the Ninth Age, right? Um. And also, we've just got to say how do, who you know what assets are we prepared to let them have? You know, what's the ownership issues of it? Because if you call it Kings of War, you know, Tabletop Simulator is the Kings of War Tabletop Simulator. It's got our logo on it. It's got our brand on it. So mm-hmm. the goblins need to look like our goblins, which I think was the the build issue for them. Basileans are that Twilight Kin are going to look like our Twilight Kin. So. It was just a, a case of us getting familiar with them and working with Hugo and the guys over there to uh, to to comfortable and share, you know, the the global version. Uh, I'd love to hear. I think he's all because I think he just did the opportunity for you to play with Codger uh, and set it all up and just chat while you're playing or try out a new build and go through those two or three games before a tournament where you just want to. What happens if I use this unit? What happens if I use that unit? Can be quite useful. And I think, you know, with, with Armada, that's as not as big a competitive scene. Um, but, that, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of people who would love to give it a go. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, we, we had almost 30 at Adepticon for, for Armada. So it's certainly a popular system. Brilliant. Yeah, and exactly. And it could be 60 next year. And that, those are the support. So that hence why the new book, you know, people might have thought, well, it's on the vault, dead. No, no, you can see it's not. We've got a new fleet coming for it. Got a book. Here's a ghost fleet. Here's the other thing. What a fun! You just have the trident realms. You've also had the sea monsters. Uh, you've got the scenery for it. So lots of ways of. Uh, and Elliot confirmed that Kings of Men are not dead for the game, and they will be coming to Companion. Correct. I mean, that was just my exact. They didn't put them on right away. Well, don't read into it. Yeah, and it was, it was like so. We done those cards because originally we were going to do the plastics uh, from from Warlord. The Kings of Men faction was going to be their plastics. But when we built ours and sized them and looked at the plastics versus the resins, there's a big size discrepancy. You know, ours are just a lot bigger and they feel like a different mold because they have the sails on them. Uh, it feels more like a chunky kit, whereas the uh, Warlord ones feel a lot more um, uh, historically accurate. Yeah, there's paper sails and. Yeah, exactly. They're building the rigging and. 
you know, cool things, but they just make a different vibe. There's more historically accurate. So, um, historically accurate, yeah, historically accurate. I was a fantasy. We printed a whole card deck for the for the guys, and they just they kind of said, "Well, it didn't really sell. No one, no one took it up." So we just didn't think there was any kings and men fleets out there. And I've, you know, I've not seen them. There's probably there probably is a few, maybe one of them. There, there's a few. Yeah, certainly you want to back the the fantastical, right? Well, and that correct, I and mean, that's where we started. And we just assumed that you know that was a kind of launch thing, and it was cool, and you've got them. Oh, okay, thank yeah, we'll do it. Okay, it's been a work. No problem. We'll pick up on it. We, we listen sometimes. You know, we're told. What about Vanguard? I know I ask this every time. Vanguard, Vanguard. You know, what's what is it on the back burner? It's definitely on the back burner. It's, we've got about three good ideas for it. It's when do we want to enact those ideas, and which of the ones do we like best? And uh, because I think what we can categorically say is Vanguard is not a recruiter for Kings of War in the same way that Dead Zone can open up, can make firefight very easy. By the time you painted a few Dead Zone figures and painted a few more and looked about, you go, oh, I, I do like these Forge Fathers. I'm going to do a tank because I can't stop myself. Oh, I can play Firefight now. <laughs> and the same models exactly now, just scale up. Not true in the same way with Vanguard, because if you want a narrative-driven individual figure game that's very characterful and very gang-orientated, they need to be single models. Um and they do not scale into a into a two hundred feet, you know, into an eight unit war game, a fifteen unit war game. So we tried to shoot all the two things together. I love the narrative bits about it being the battles before the battles, you know, like the like the warning fires go and hijack their munitions. I love that asymmetrical angle of it. So, so what, I think ambush does a better job of recruiting into Kings of War than Vanguard does. But that frees Vanguard up from having to carry that responsibility. Could it be a vault game? Possibly. Could it be a knockout retailer game? Yes. <laughs> okay, so which do we want it to be? Which way do we want to go with it? Where do we want to take it? Those are kind of... It's too bad, too bad you're not going to put out a survey to ask a bunch of questions this summer. Yeah, to ask about those things. Where's the tank game that you mentioned for Firefight? When's the, when's the, when's the big tank game? Where are, the, where are those rules? Call me back on in about four weeks <laughs> or six weeks. All in development, some very exciting things. We've got some collaborations going with some other companies. Very, very exciting. So, yeah, I, like I said, Rob, we've got so much going on this year. I think when we first talked, it was DSO, um, STLs and, uh, and bolts and things. Now we've just done what, an hour and 32 minutes of uh, Kings of War only. And I've got two... Major announcements to make, and we've got a tank game coming, and sci-fi and fantasy terrain. So, so it looks like we're going to have to chat at least twice more this year. Sounds like you need to start your own specialist games division to put all the games that you don't have the resources to really give it the full attention. You know, that'd be an interesting question. I wonder if I could, I wonder if I work out if Mantic is bigger than the old Games Workshop specialist games division. That'd be that'd be an interesting. Uh, what games would you put in your specialist games division? Yeah, well, I, if, if, if Kings of War is in it and we're not bigger than it, then surely Kings of War is a specialist game. I know you got UK Expo this weekend. Are you guys excited about that? Yeah, it's going to be really good. We've uh, got a great pitch just as you come in. Got you know, a whole load of... Um, uh, we're taking dice games, a load of board games down there and some of those fun kind of things. We're hoping to have one of our big announcements out on Friday because it takes on... Yeah. And it ties with the expo, and we'd love to be talking about that at the event. 
uh, but we're just waiting to get sign off from the licensor on that one uh, because it's a it's a big major uh, computer game license. Besides Gen Con, what else do you have planned for the year in terms of events? So I think Gen Con and Essen are the two consumer-facing shows. I think Gen Con's going to be big. We, we're going to have a uh, limited edition pro- product at it. So uh, it'll be available on our website and at Gen Con only. Um, another event, which we're not doing, someone else is doing. Uh, but when I say what our event is, you'll work out what it is and who we're doing it with. So uh, that's coming up soon, so that'll be announced as well. Um, a little fun collaboration. Um, and then, actually, lots of gaming. I think I'm going to come and try and get to a US show or two, uh, an event if we can, tie into that. And then getting this getting this big global campaign running, getting a slow grow going, I think is actually harnessing the power of the internet, getting back to the Mantic Open days, uh, digital. We've, we've got one of those in October as well, actually, already sold out. We're going to open up a few more tickets, but that's already sold out as well. And then with Clash of Kings, Mantic Open Day, Essen, Gen Con. We're busy again. Well, one final question. I think you'll you'll enjoy this one. So if GW was Manchester City in the Premier League, which Premier League team is Mantic? Oh, well, God, how, how can they be sitting? I think going first for Man United, right? Manchester United in the 90s. You know, back in those days, it was only Man United. There was others. You know, Arsenal were all right and everything else. And so what I'm saying is, we are Manchester City in the 1990s, okay? In the, in the, in the, in the 2000s, right? We're Manchester City. And now, slowly but inexorably, we're no longer kind of buying the Rocker Santa Cruises and the Jack Rodwells. Aguero's arriving. You know, Aguero is flying dwarfs with hand grenades, you see. Lizers are coming. Yaya Torre's about to arrive. David Silver's going to be the player. And so what will be, what the question will be is, how long is it going to take Mantic to do what Manchester City did? When are we going to be playing for the treble? You know, I think it's coming. Let's see. Let's do ourselves. 2011 was the first FA Cup. That was when the Cup started, three, 2004. So, yeah, can I turn the question on its head? Because there's just no way they're going to be Man City. We're the underdog. Man City are all the underdog. Now they're the winners. Well, that's what Manchester's going to be a few years from now. Spoken like a perfect Manchester City fan. Well, thanks, Ronnie. I appreciate the time. No, I appreciate it. Thank you for letting me rant. I'm sorry I talked so long. We love it. All right, well, that's going to do us tonight. Until next time, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge 15 or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.